0: Have a seat if you can. My goodness, that's some worship or what, yeah. man! We have got some worship people. Promisers, we welcome you from every single campus. We're so ecstatic that you chose to worship us this weekend. Literally, will be for many of you the greatest single worship service that you have ever come to. Many of you are going to leave absolutely different than the way you walked in. You could be at Campbell or Anderson, at North Knoxville, our internet campus. You could be at Blunt. You could be at Pelissippi campus. You could, wherever you're worshiping, I'm telling you, God has been transforming people and and setting people free, and so we've already seen God do so much, and so it's great. By the way, last weekend, Promisers, during the blizzard of 2016, 6,500 of you came out to celebrate God, and so ecstatic about that, so fired up. Uh, and it's really because people are hungry for God. They're hungry for the Word of God. They're hungry for the presence of God. They're hungry just to, to, to be in and around what God is doing, and he is doing some stuff. So I'm proud of you. And the presence of God is real in a way at Faith Promise we have never experienced it. We are having just a breath of God move, and it is unbelievable. And so we're just grateful for how God's moving his presence Literally at every single campus, it, it is just ecstatic. So are you guys glad to be in the house of God? Somebody thrilled to be in the presence of God? Let me tell you what, I've, what we're watching. is we're watching, 2016, our theme is Without Faith, It's Impossible, to Please God. And what's happening is because our faith is increasing, your faithfulness is increasing. Your faithfulness in worship, your faithfulness in the Word, as people have finished the Without Book, uh, today's the last day, and many are going to roll roll back through it. But as our faith is elevating again, you can't grow in your faith and not grow in your faithfulness. If you missed last week, when we talked about a supernatural byproduct of the increasing faith is transformation. And, and because, again, across the board, faithfulness is elevating. Uh, our attendance is elevating. Our giving is elevating. P- more people serving than ever before. More people going to group. It's all elevating because when faith elevates, faithfulness elevates. And so we're excited about what God is doing. By the way, Michelle and I were in Colorado. If you follow on social media, you saw some of that. We were preparing for Easter. And around here, there's a long runway to do a lot of the things that we do. And so this year, we felt led to take a true story of a Faith Promise Corps player, uh, Rick Sheverton, uh, an event that happened hunting out west a few years ago in a rescue of a guy who had fallen down the side of a mountain. So we were in Colorado capturing that via film. And I'm so proud of Micah, our creative team, our actors and actresses. They worked from, literally they set up at zero degrees, dark 30 in the morning, and they shot until dark in the evening. And I've just never seen people work, so pray God is, it's gonna, it's, I was wondering if we could catch the story. I literally sat beside them videoing scenes, just weeping, watching, as the, and then tying that into the greatest rescue ever, which is Jesus on Easter. So I'm praying for 17,000 people on Easter weekends. Is anybody with me? So excited, ecstatic about what God is doing. By the way, we launched into a new series this weekend called Love Is, dot, dot, dot. And what we're going to preach on is the dot, dot, dot. Love is, what is it? What do we do? What's the deal? Now, we all want more love. Is that right? We all want to experience God love, God's love at a greater degree. Is that right? We all want to give God's love out at a greater degree. Is that right? We all want to experience love from our family and friends. And we want to give that love out. Is that, is that what we want to do? We would all agree that the number one command in all of the Bible, Old of the New Testament, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and body. And Jesus said the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. The whole Bible can be wrapped up. Jesus said, and love God and love others. Would you all agree with that? Okay, so we're all on the same page. Now, there's a great problem with that. First, you can't love others if you don't love yourself. And secondly, you can't love God and love others. Or you can't give it and receive it like you want to if you have a wounded heart. And we're just gonna get real brutally honest this weekend because it's hard to obey the word of God if your heart is wounded. See, a hurting heart hinders the flow of love. And what we've learned is that hurting people hurt people. Is that right? So have we all been hurt by people? Have we all hurt other people? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go back to, to find a solution to the problem You've got to find out what started the problem. If you go to a doctor and you're sick, he's going to say, okay, tell me, how did it start? What would you feel? You take your car to a mechanic, and the mechanic's going to say, okay, tell me, how did it start? What did your car begin to do? So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, and we're going to look at what happened in the beginning, and then extrapolate now what does God want us to do because of that. And I love to give credit where credit is due. I took some of this content from a young thought leader in the kingdom of God, uh, Jefferson Blethke, he's got a, a, a book and a video out, Jesus is Greater Than Religion. 30 million views on his video on Jesus is Greater Than Religion. So I, so I borrowed some of the content from that, giving him credit. So who's ready for the Word of God? Yes, sir. Somebody ready. Come on, get ready. Get ready, ready, ready to rumble. All right. So Genesis 2.15 God, it's just, Eve's not even around yet. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. What's the first thing that God gave Adam? A job. He said, Well, that's not cool. I, don't, I do, man. I love my job. And so he gives him a job. First thing, so he gives him a job, and then he gives him a command in the next two verses. In, in, in 15, 16, 17. Then the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any of the tree you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely what? Yeah. Now, this should make you feel better that, that Adam had one job and one command, and he couldn't do it. We have a whole Bible. We can't do that either. But Adam could have written his whole Bible on the palm of his hand. Take care of the garden. Don't eat of that big of tree in the middle. That was it. That was his whole Bible. Now, let me tell you what we've, what we've, what we've got to be at Faith Promise. What we've we've got to be a safe place to deal with doubts. This is, this is the deal. Young adults, the many, many, many young adults who say they're believers who don't go to church, they don't go to church because it's not a safe place to deal with their doubts. Do we all have doubts? See, a generation ago when you brought up a question about your doubts, people would say, that's stupid, don't ever ask that again. That's stupid. Why, how could you think that? That's stupid. Why could you ask that? And so we've learned that church is not a safe place to deal with our doubts. Is that right? And so because of that, the young adults don't see integrity in that, and they're leaving the church. We've got to be a safe place to ask questions like this. Why did God put the tree there? See, if God hadn't put the tree there, we'd all still be naked. Nobody would know it. Why did he put the tree there? He he builds a garden. It's beautiful. He says, eat, do whatever you want. Take care of my garden. That one tree, don't eat. Does that seem a little arbitrary to you? See, these are questions that young adults have got to be able to walk up and say, hey, why did God put the tree there? Instead of saying, stupid, I don't know. We said, that's a great question. Let's, Let's see if we can work on that together. That way we keep young adults attached to the church. Does that make sense? Instead of berating them for asking questions you thought about, you just didn't have a place to ask them when you were a young adult. So why did God put there? Why, why, did, God, why did God put the tree there? Did, did God want Adam and Eve, instead of going to the tree, to go to him? Did God want Adam and Eve's intimacy and dependency to be solely focused on him? And so there was a tree, but they weren't to eat of the tree. They were to, the tree was to remind them that you need to go to God for the knowledge of good and evil, that you need to go to God for, for dependence. Like if you've, if you've ever been a parent, you understand total dependence because when you bring that kid home from the hospital, it's totally dependent on you. When they handed me faith and let me leave the hospital, I thought they were crazy. What are you doing giving this to me? I mean, you should keep this. I mean, this is dangerous. I mean, back then, you didn't even have to have a car seat. You could sort of put them up on the dashboard, you know, and it, it didn't even matter. Today, they shoot you in the hospital parking lot if you try to do that. You don't get to leave there. It's a different world than what I grew up in. And so, but what God wants is dependence. The way that faith was dependent on Michelle and I, God wants us dependent on him. Maybe he wants us, maybe he wanted to be the one to teach us the knowledge of good and evil and not to eat of the tree. But let me tell you, there's only two roads that you can travel. You can travel the road of dependence upon God and seeking God, or you can travel the road to dependence on self, and I'll take care of my own. Which road has America chosen, by and large? The second road. We don't need God. We, we don't need God. We're, let's take a prayer out. Let's take God out. But we, don't, we just don't need God. We don't need God. They're trying to force the kingdom of God into one small little hour of the week outside of anybody's purview or sight. Or you could choose the road dependence on God, which I think is the better road to go from. So Adam and Eve ate the tree, right? They ate the tree. Of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and God shows up, all this stuff happens. We'll, we'll go back to it in a minute. But when God shows up, He sent him out of the garden. Now this is critical that you get. If you're listening, say I am. I am. He sends him out of the garden toward the east. I want you to go. I want you to go east. When Cain killed his brother Abel, God execu- God sent him away. He sent him away to the east. When Abram and Lot had to separate because they had too much stuff, Lot chose to go to the east. When they built Babel, the rebellious city from God, they built Babel in the east. Y'all see a pattern? Ever since the garden, since Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we've been running east, and east is away from God. Does that make sense? Now listen, running away from God never works well. Ask Jonah. Jonah. It didn't go well. He was well-baked because he was running from the direction of God and the will of God and the call of God. It didn't go well. So God shows up to Abram. Hadn't changed his name yet. He said, now, Abram, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees. I want you to leave the land that you're in, and I want you to go west because in the west I'm going to give you a, a nation. I'm going to give you Canaan Or what we now know as modern-day Israel. I'm going to give you that land, and it's always going to be yours. It's going to be yours and your sons and your grandkids and all this kind of stuff. And so Abraham is then later called the father of what? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so Abraham moves to the west while everybody else is running. I mean, yeah, Abraham moves to the west while everybody else is running east. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Because I'm going somewhere. We're building a foundation. Are you okay? Is everybody okay? If you're okay, say I'm okay. okay. Now. So later, God has Moses build a tabernacle, church, portable church. And so he has to build a tabernacle. Later, Solomon builds the temple, and it's rebuilt a couple times after that. If you look at the tabernacle of the temple, let me tell you what you'll notice. There's imagery all through it of a garden. Why? Because God was recreating a space and a place to shalom of shalom a peace for him to meet with his people like he had in the garden with Adam and Eve. So recreating that space. Both of, those, both of those edifices, God was very specific, put the door to get into the tabernacle and the temple on the east side of it. Because if you walk in an east door, which way are you facing? West. West, West is heading towards God. Mankind has been running east. But God said, I want you to build the houses of worship with the door on the east side so that people are facing west as they walk into the place of healing, the place of shalom, the place of great peace. Let me ask you a question. Which road are you on? Are you running east? Are you running from God? Or are you running west? Are you running to God? Because this is a big deal. Would you all agree with that? Again, we're talking about how you can receive love and give love. So I want you to think about this. Let's go back to Genesis 3. Adam and Eve eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And God shows up. So how does God respond? Because because how God responds to the first rebellion is a big deal. Would y'all agree with that? So God shows up. They've eaten the fruit. Does He call down fire and brimstone to cook them like weenies on a grill? Is that what He does? No. Does He condemn them and say, "Get out of my face! I'll never anything to do with you." He was God. He could have done whatever He wanted to do, couldn't He? This so so let me let me let me what what God does is odd. God asks a question. Now, he's God, so he can't ask a question he doesn't know the answer to. Does that make sense? He's God, and so God asks a question. Adam, where are you? Does God know where Adam is? Have you ever played hide-and-go-seek with a two-year-old? <laughs> see, if they close their eyes, you can't see them. And Adam is over by a bush. He's got his foot hanging out in the eaves, you know, and he said, All right, okay. Adam, where are you? God already knows the answer. And Adam says, well, I was, I was hiding. Oh, really? Why are you hiding? Because I was naked. Naked. By the way, Adam, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil I told you not to eat? It was her. <laughs> Immediate, guys. <clears throat> immediately you blame your wife. Are you with me? It was the chick that you made, God, really. It's her fault and your fault, not mine. She said it wasn't my fault. The stinking snake talked me into it. It's blaming excuses day one, isn't it? Just absolutely day one. So let me ask you a question. What voice are you listening to? We're all listening to a voice, aren't we? What voice? Let me give you a hint as to which voice you're listening to. The voice that you're listening to, is it calling you out of hiding or into hiding? Out of shame or into shame? Out of cover-up into exposure, out of isolation and into intimacy. See, the voice of God is always calling you out. And the voice of Satan is always calling you to cover-up, isolate, insulate, be lonely, don't let anybody know. So all this happens by the end of the third chapter of Genesis. And nothing has changed as far as our hearts since then. Mankind has been and is still running east away from God. Hiding. Wearing masks. Now, let me tell you why we do it. Are you ready? Because we really got to get this. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. See, we cover up and wear masks because we've been wounded by people. Has, Has everybody been wounded? See, we've been wounded. We've been wounded by broken people. We're all broken people. And it's hard for love to flow to and through a wounded heart. But we've all agreed our heart is wounded. And so, what do we do? We run from God. And running from God is like running on a treadmill. I don't care how fast you cut that sucker up. You can sweat to the oldies all day you want. When you get off the treadmill, where are you? Same place. Did you go anywhere? Nowhere. When you're running from God, you're going nowhere. Are you with me? It's like a treadmill. So, now, Jesus died for us. Did he die for us? He died for us, but he didn't die for your mask. You see, we all got this cover-up going on. Most of us got this cover-up. So we take from Genesis 3 all the way to the end of the book of Malachi, a few thousand years of biblical history, and we watch the people that broke the system try to fix it. The same people that broke it in the garden are now trying to fix it in the tabernacle and the temple, have the law, all that kind of stuff. But the people that broke it can't fix it. I'm telling you why. Because the sickness of sin is too deeply embedded in our hearts for us to fix it. Does that make sense? Well, have we all sinned and come short of the glory of God? So what's God going to do? God says, I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send a healer of their hearts. By his stripes, we will be healed. I'm going to send my son, and we're going to do a new deal. Now, don't miss this. This is where, okay, all this is building a foundation for us to look at something that's going about to transform your heart. So stick with me. Don't miss this. When Jesus shows up, he was like no one that had ever been on the planet. Not like Adam, not like anybody. See, from Jesus, power emanated out of him. Does that make sense? Before he was resurrected, the resurrection power was already coming out of Jesus. Now, so let me ask you a question. I want you to think about this. In the Old Testament, when something unclean touched something clean, who won? Clean or unclean? How many of you think unclean won? See your hand. All right, you'd be right. Anytime something clean in the Old Testament touched something unclean, the thing clean immediately became unclean. If you touched a leper, if you touched something dead, you could have left the temple and just brought your sacrifice, but if you stepped on a grave, you're now unclean. Unclean always beat clean. Unclean always overcame clean until Jesus shows up on the scene. And Jesus was so powerful, was so transforming, when the unclean touched the clean, the unclean became clean for the first time in the history of the world. Because the resurrection power was flowing out of Jesus. It's flowing out of it. See, can I tell you something? Some of you to think, Chris, you don't know where I've been, you are all done. You can't get too unclean that the clean one can't cleanse you. You can't get too hurt, broken that Jesus can't heal you. You can't do it. So the woman with the issue of blood, man, she's fighting through the crowd. She's trying to get to Jesus. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get to the hem, I'll be healed. Twelve years she'd been unclean. She fights away too. She touches the hem of his garment and boom, she's healed. And that which was unclean is now clean. Lepers who were unclean touched Jesus and they became clean. People that were lame but could walk. People that were deaf could hear. People that were blind could see. People that demonized were cleansed. Jesus had so much power that that which was unclean always became clean in his presence. Does this make sense? Now see, I'm not talking about your salvation. That's where you got to follow me. I'm talking about the deepest wounds of our lives. And see, those wounds That hurt heart that we all have is hindering the intimacy of God. It's hindering us receiving love and giving love. It's hindering us. My mother told me when I was 15, packed my bags and left home. She said, Chris, you won't let anybody love you. And many of you have been told that and you don't get it. It's because your heart has been so wounded. You won't let anybody love you. You think you do. But there's another level of love that God wants to take you to, and you cannot achieve that with a wounded, broken heart. So now let me ask you a question. If you're listening, say, I am. I am. If you get a physical wound, what's the first thing you do to it? Do what? You got to clean it. Got to clean it. Our infection will set in. Now, I told you all last week that I was building the upper room at my house. And, and I, wanna, listen, I want you to do something. I want you to Do me a favor. Tons of you are having quiet times like never before. Praise God. Get you a space in your place for you and God. You say, well, Chris, you, you got a bigger house than me. I had a space in my house when I had a single wide, two bedroom, me, Michelle, Faith, Mike, and Zach. Three kids were in one bedroom, Michelle and I was in it. were in another bedroom, but I had a chair. I had this holy space where I met with God every day. Are you with me? I don't care if you live in a double wide or a camper or a mansion, find you a space. So I love to create environments. So I'm creating this new environment for me to meet with God. I'm almost done, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting some, I got some, some wood to put on the floor, and I'm, I'm putting it down, and I got in this weird, funky space. I don't really know how I did it, but I was shooting the nail gun, and the nail hit another nail and came up, and it went through my thumbnail, and the nail came out the end of my thumb. Ooh. Well, I was home alone. I'm thinking, where's Michelle? And I was going to call her, but when you open my phone up, you put the thumb down, and there was a nail in it. So I'm chinking the nail on the, it didn't work. So I lay the phone down, and I look, so okay. Well, the head of the nail was already through my thumbnail. Because, you know, you got to pull the nail one way or the other. And so since the head was already through the nail, that means you had to pull the head all the way through. So I looked at it and said, oh, wow, that's got to come out. And Zach said, well, Dad, you should have taken a picture. (laughs) For what? (laughs) You young adults. And so, or maybe it's just Zach's weird. So I grabbed it and thought, oh, that's got to come out. Ooh, yeah. Pee, now, yeah, get out. Woo! hmm Went downstairs, got me some alcohol, poured it in a cup. Stuck my thumb down on that alcohol. (laughs) Whoa, that have blessed your heart, I'm telling you. (laughs) Man, I spoke in tongues. And so here's the deal, listen, listen. And you say, I can't believe you did that. If I wouldn't have put alcohol on it, infection would have got underneath my thumbnail. And I'd have gone to my doctor, and he would have cut my thumbnail off to cleanse the infection. Is that right? So this is the deal. We all get our hearts wounded, but it hurts so we don't want anybody to touch it, so we cover it up. And let me tell you, when you cover those hurts up, those hurts create infection, and they fester, and they wound, and they ruin your heart, or they literally can kill you. Are y'all with me? See, so God wants to heal. He doesn't want you to cover it up. But our problem is that we don't want to touch our owies. That's what my granddaughter says, She's always. So we don't when my daughter Faith was little, she was I mean she was a girl. She was such a sissy. She actually still is. And so but but she would her arm would come out of socket. Easy. So she's about to fall off the curb, and I grabbed her arm and pop, it pops out of socket. I'm freaking out. We rush to the emergency room. The doctor goes, whoop, whoop, pop. I said, I can do that. (laughs) We're not coming back here. I can handle that you're not a doctor. I said, I watched him. I can do that. I can do that. (laughs) So not long, she pulled her arm out of socket again. Man, I grabbed her. She was running, screaming, like, you know, ah! I mean, listen, horror movies would have recruited my daughter for the blood-curdling screams. She runs. I catch her. I go pop, pop, pop. As soon as it pops in, (clicks) joint quits hurting. She knows this, right? So after the hundredth time that her arm has come out of socket, she's still doing what? Running and screaming. Does she let me pull it back in? No. I have to grab her, get her in a headlock, hold her down. E-e-e- pop. I saved hundred thousand dollars with. Pop. <laughs> Should have got a degree. And so, but see, we're all like like faith. We don't want to let anybody touch where we've been wounded. And so somebody somebody does something and we cover it up. But listen, Jesus can heal it, so that love can flow. And God is still asking the same question to you. He asked to Adam, "Where are you?" Because God wants to heal you, and He wants Jesus to clean, contest the unclean, and make it clean. He wants to. He wants intimacy with you so that you can experience love. Are you with me? His love in other people. Now, let's. Can we just get re- real for a minute? Seven thousand people this weekend. Let's think. How many ladies have had an abortion? made a mistake some boyfriend or dad or somebody talked you into doing something that today is a wound for you I'm not I'm not trying to make you feel guilty as a matter of fact God's about to heal that wound in just a minute he's about to heal that wound in just a second if you if you'll at him how many people are sexually abused here large portion and yet we 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 cover that up. We don't tell anybody because we think there's something wrong with us that some perverted adult abused us as a child. Listen, listen. And, and there's a wound that festers and gets infected because we don't, want, we don't want to let God touch it, because if he does, it'll hurt. Are, are y'all with are y'all tracking with me? Maybe, maybe you were abandoned. Maybe you did some things that are broken your heart, or some things that have done to you that broke your heart. Listen, you're talking to the expert. I should be in a rubber room, heavily medicated, after being abused and abandoned, and all the stuff that happened to me as a kid, and then all the stuff that I did as a young adult drug dealer and dope addict. Man, I should be in a, I be in a room, but see, the deal is when I came to Jesus, when he re- opened my eyes, I just said, listen, this is, this is what this guy did to me, and he said, let me heal that. And I said, this is where I was abandoned. And Jesus said, hey, can I, can I heal that? And this is, this is all the horrible stuff that I did. And he said, listen, let my blood touch that. And that which is unclean, I'm about to make clean. See, that's the good news of the gospel. That, that which touches, that which is unclean touches the clean. And so bring it, listen, bring it to Jesus. Now, if you take a wound and you heal a wound, what does that wound become? a scar. Now listen, scars become your stars because they're your stories. And, and one of the things that God uses in my life when, when I say I was a dope addict, when I say I was sex abused, when I say I was abandoned, people that come here that have been all those things that happened to me that are deeply wounded, they say, if God can heal him, God can heal me. And see, your scars become your stars. They become your stories. And that where God heals you is what God uses to draw other people to him. See, when I got saved, I didn't know you were supposed to hide that stuff. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to say I was sex abused. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to say that. I, I hadn't grown up in church, so I didn't know that you were supposed to be a hypocrite and hide and act like you were okay when you weren't. Are you, is, anybody, is anybody tracking? Because, see, that's what churches in America today. Covered up and act like. And God said, listen, don't cover Jack up. Don't pull a water gate. God said, if you'll come and bring that to me, if faith would have run to me when her arm came out of Osaka, said that arm came out, pop, 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 it would have been over. But no, I had to chase her down. And God this weekend is chasing some of you guys down. Let me wrap it up with with an odd story from the New Testament. Fast forward 4,000 years. It's the MS Road. Jesus has just been crucified and buried. The disciples have scattered because they've said there's no hope. Our our future's done. And two two of the disciples are walking on the MS Road and Jesus shows up in the middle of them. They don't recognize him. And Jesus said, what are you guys doing? What are you talking about? And they said, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem? Do you not know what's just happened? They've killed the Messiah. They crucified him. Our future is destroyed. Do you not know what's going on? And and this is what the Bible says. Listen. And Jesus, the Word of God, the Logos, the one that wrote the Bible, Jesus began to teach them from Moses through the prophets about the Messiah. Let me tell you what's going on. Get this. They are having a personal Bible study with the author of the book. You think Beth Moore is good? (laughs) They've got Jesus. He's out from the grave, and he said, oh, by the way, when Moses said this in Deuteronomy, when we go to Exodus, this is what this means. When you get to Psalms, this is where it talks. All that. They're they're walking for seven miles, and they don't recognize that it's Jesus. Then. They get to their house. They say, excuse me, sir, would you like to stay for dinner? Jesus said, yeah, that'd be great. So he goes in. They sit around the table, the meal served. Jesus reaches out and take his, takes the loaf of bread and breaks it. And when Jesus breaks the bread and begins to pray, their eyes are open. And they say, dear God, it's him. And boom, he disappears. Now listen, listen. For, for we don't know how long, three or four hours, they've had Jesus personally teach them the whole Bible. They didn't get it. See, you know what? Most of us want all the right answers. Give me all the right answers. Give me all the right answers. And listen, we need to study the Bible. I'm not saying we don't. But let me tell you what I want more than the right answers. I want to be with the one who knows the right answers. I want to spend time with Jesus. I want to be like Mary at his feet while he's teaching. I want to be like John leaning in his bosom during the Lord's Supper. I want to be with Peter at the transfiguration. Give me some more. Jesus. Because right answers don't heal you. Jesus heals you. Right answers don't do it. It's when you get close to God. It's when you say, he, it hurts right here. And he says, let me touch that. This is what was done to me. Let me transform you. But this is what I did. I know my blood is going to cover all that. Because you know what happens to a healed heart? It beats the love of God. It flows the love of God. You can receive more. You can give more. Listen. Listen. If America saw how many hearts were healed in the churches, we wouldn't have enough pews, enough services to handle. The problem is we've covered it up. Let your scar become your star. Come on, somebody. My goodness. Woo, intimacy. It's what he's always want. And intimacy flows. Healing flows in intimacy. So let me ask you a question. Let's get raw and real. How many of you say, Pastor? You don't have to tell us what. I need some healing. Just raise your hand, hold it up, just raise it up, keep it up, keep it up, Keep hold it up. God, we come to you, Abba, Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And God, there's some people in this room that have been abandoned, they've been abused, that were told they were no count, that were told they weren't wanted, that were told they weren't loved as little children, and their hearts were devastated. They've covered it up. Right now, would you just tell God? Would you tell God where you hurt? Would you just tell him, this is my wound. This is what my dad did to me. This is what my mom did. Would you just go ahead and tell God? God, are just tell him right now, this is, what, this is where it hurts. This is where it hurts, Daddy. Abba, this is where my pain is. Would you just go ahead and tell him that wound? He already knows it. Tell him right now. It's right here. It's right here when my dad left. It's right here when I didn't have any friends. It's right here. When my husband walked out, it's right here where my child said, I don't love you. It's right here. Now, God, we know that you're the lover of our souls. And God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we bring our hurts to you and we ask for healing. There's healing in the healing waters of Jesus. Oh God, would you touch that which is unclean? Many of those things that we've done and would you heal those? Would you take away all the shame and all the grace? Would you take a wound and make a scar and turn it into a star? And it will be a story that we celebrate to the highest heights of your deliverance, of your freedom, of your healing. Because God, we want to have a heart that beats with your love. We want to have a heart that people see your love. We want to be able to receive love from the people that love us and we want to give more love than we've ever dreamed. And so God, would you by the resurrection power of your son, the same son that came out of the grave, the same son that, son that hung the stars in the sky, would you bring healing from Yeshua HaMashiach, the son of the most high God, would you deliver us and heal us? We believe it and we receive it and in Jesus' name, we pray it. Now, somebody give God some praise for His deliverance, for His freedom. Come on, somebody shout out. It's shout out, I'm healed. I'm Come on, and give it to God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm walking in it. I'm walking in freedom. I'm walking in deliverance. Come on, somebody. I'm walking out of the past and the chains. I've been set free. I'm walking in it. I'm just just taking it in. I'm so, come on, thank you, God. Mm. Mm -hmm. But have a seat. I'm excited about this. You may not realize it because this is the deal. We're all broken. And the more God heals us, the more you can experience love, the more you can give love, the more the people of this world will see how good God is. Now, some of you, man, did Jesus has been a teacher? He's been a a religious leader? No, no, he's the healer. He's the son of God. And you're religious, or maybe you've been in church some, but there's no intimacy. And you want a deep relationship with God that will transform you. It begins at salvation where you get a heart transplant. So with probably two or 3,000 people in this service across all of our campuses, if you're ready to give Jesus your heart right now, he's ready. He said, listen, it's not about all the right answers. He said, if you'll hear my voice and you'll open your heart, I'll come in and I will dine with you. I'll fellowship with you. I'll be intimate with you. See, the right answers don't heal our heart, intimacy does. And that's what he wants. That's what he wanted in the garden. Where are you? He's still asking. Come home to Jesus. With a head bowed and eyes closed, we're going to pray a confessional prayer with you. Many of us have already given our heart to Jesus, but we're going to pray with you. We're going to lend you our face. We're going to pray together. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've failed. And I'm far from you. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I confess you as my Lord, my boss, my ruler. Give me faith, transform me, let your love flow through me to everybody I see. Thanks for dying for me and coming out of the grave. I'm running west. I'm chasing you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Somebody give him praise one more time. <clears throat> Has it been good to be in the house of God? Come on. So this week, tell your story to some people. Say, so you can't believe what happened to me at church. I got healed this weekend. I got healed of something that happened to me when I was 8, 10, 12. Tell your story. Because, see, as you tell your story, you take it away from the devil and you give your story to God. Amen. That voice calling you out of hiding. So if you gave your heart to Jesus, if you'll fill the communication card in front of you, drop in the offering boxes or take it to the next steps. We'll help you with your next step. Faith Promise will always help people. With what is their next step with God? There will be people down here who pray with you. We love you. Listen, it is our prayer that you'll never be the same because you came to church this weekend. And that everybody comes back next weekend and you bring some more people with you. And everybody comes back the next weekend and they bring some more people with them. And then we add another service and we add another site. And we just keep going until we win everybody needs Tennessee. How about that? Amen. So that's the deal. That's the deal. We love you. We love you so much. By the way, as you're leaving, if you want to sign up for student ministry or for kids ministry, there's people out there. Hey, walk this week with a healed heart. Be blessed in Jesus' name.